Hi, and welcome to another Yosis HQ interview video. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by Alexi. Hi, Alexi. Hi, Matt. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine. It's almost the end of the week. How about you? Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm feeling the, the need for a Friday as well. Um, so could you uh, just give uh, tell us your uh, name and your handle and your preferred pronouns? Yes, uh, my name is Alexei Chibrzenka, and that's because it's complicated. Everybody calls me Drom, uh, and uh, no, or wave Drom, uh, depend on uh, on a social network. And uh, pronouns would be he, him. Thanks. Okay, yeah. So um, I know you best through uh, WaveDrom, the tool. So maybe we could um, kick off by um, telling us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, that's a surprisingly simple since uh, kind of, kind of uh, get popularity more than complex since. Uh, that's a little script I wrote, uh, you know, already like ten years or more ago. Um, to to help me and my colleagues to basically create some PDF uh, microarchitectural specs, um, you know, different projects we were doing because everybody was tired to draw timing diagrams. And uh, I was learning web and JavaScript and I said, okay, why not? That's a, it's a good exercise to port my Perl script into JavaScript. And uh, that's how it started. Uh, it was Google code back then, and then it's become a GitHub and so it's moving on uh, and it's slowly gaining popularity. And uh, I'm glad that it's simple because if it's complex and I, you know, I need to support <laughs> too much code, it would be hard, <laughs> but because it's pretty simple, it's um, not much of a burden. I, I, um, I used it to make the, um, the kind of the teaser tweet. Uh, that we put out on the Yosis HQ channel, and um, I only use it kind of once every two or three months, and I so I always forget the formatting. But it's easy enough to just kind of work it out on the fly. I really, um, and if you've not used it before, then um, it's web hosted. You go to a you go to a website and you type in some ASCII text, um, and then that creates a very nice looking timing diagram. Um, and then you can either uh, download that as a image and insert it into your documentation, or you can um, send a URL to somebody with all that data uh, in there. So then you can get the, um, the vector-based version. And one thing I noticed recently was um, Olof Kindgren, who we've um, interviewed before, has started uh, using WaveDrom as part of his automatic documentation builds as part of Read the Docs. And that is really nice. So when you push new uh, documentation that might include a timing diagram change, then it will also update the images. Is that something that you kind of thought was going to happen or is that kind of nice to see that happening? Yeah, interestingly, so um, there are so many ways to, to, to do diagrams on, uh, on, a, on now and some of them web-based and some of them, I have, uh, for example, browser plugin that allow you to show like automatically render diagrams on your GitHub or GitLab account when it find one. Uh, so I also have a Lambda function, which is AWS service where you send the description and you get a CG back. That's what, what Olaf was using for his logo, for example, right? 
uh, there's there's uh, PWA app, which is like progressive web app uh, app application you can install just from wavedrum.com. There is a like cross-platform, you know, installable. Different people use it differently. I use also observable notebook, observable HQ notebook, uh, which allow any arbitrary JavaScript, including WaveDrome in there, which is uh, convenient and people use it in ASCII doctor. I, I lost track <laughs> how many ways you can use it, which is, which is good because people, uh, uh, you know, adopted it to all flows they want or like. And uh, yeah, and absolutely learning, quick learning or real learning tool is a big thing these days because uh, attention span is kind of shrinking. If you cannot visually like learn something um, in no time and start using it in 10 minutes, uh, you will lose interest in 20. So um, you have very short window of opportunities these days to learn something. And um, also, so it's very simple. There is not much features. Uh, I, I get requests from time to time to add fancy, fancy features, but um, I try to keep it simple, which is good. Keep it simple, keep it, keep it light. Yes. Yeah. So um, uh, you're working now with Sci Fi, right? Uh, yes, uh, that's my day job. Can you can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. Uh, so Sci Fi, uh, probably well known by um, pioneering this Risk Five found uh, Risk Five uh, movement and uh, you know riding that wave. A few years already, and I joined Sci Five um, two and a half years ago uh, because I was super excited to work on the new technologies and uh, uh, you know j just work with smart t uh, people every day. You know, keep me keep me floating. That's that's uh, uh, very exciting. Keeps you on your toes. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. It's like uh, yeah. when people talk about some crazy things. Uh, and you barely understand what they're talking about if you feel comfortable. Um, so yeah, so we are doing the Risk Five uh, course uh, as a visible tip of an iceberg um, and selling them as a licensed course uh, to anybody who want to buy one. Um, bigger stories. We are we we have a few uh, companies that are like a, our partner like our federation companies uh, who do chips uh, go to different markets chinese market uh, korean market and also do doing uh, chip, like chip design as a service uh, open open five i guess it's called now yeah it's uh, one of the companies that that can do chips for you uh, but uh, uh, we also working hard on risk five foundation as a, as, a, as a founding member and contribute to to new specs and updated specs and you know in general popularizing risk five movement uh, as much as we can um, which which is nice I like open source very much are you involved in any of the um, the risk five um, groups the steering groups or the like the extension groups or anything like that 
Uh, right. So um, primarily um, interested in in a J extension, which is just just in time extension, uh, because I'm JavaScript guy, as they call me. Um, so I would be happy. You're, kind of, you're straddling the, the uh, between JavaScript and hardware. Yeah, a full stack is that <laughs> that's what I call it. Uh, and um, yes, uh, so I'm particularly interested to run V8 or you know Firefox on Risk Five one day, better than anywhere else. And this way, I think we will get a server, we will get a client on Risk Five, and uh, that's a road uh, road to success for Risk Five is get to modern uh, infrastructure quick. And uh, yes, that's good. We are open right now to add anything to ISA that that required, or will move the move the story forward uh, with JIT compilers. Um, and J, J extension is one of I, groups I participate actively. There is also vector extension uh, where I, I did a few vector machines in the past, and I'm very excited to work with again with with best vector people in the in the industry. Uh, uh, our founder Krista Asanovic, uh, he he kind of vector guru. And every time I ask a question and get answer, I have to I have to come kind of think about it <laughs> quite a while, <laughs> just just because uh, you know it's deep. Um, but yeah. yes, uh, vector extensions are coming along, uh, and uh, I'm helping as I can uh, to extent of my knowledge but uh, it's very exciting yeah so just uh, maybe taking a, a step back because i realize that maybe not everyone is totally familiar with uh, the way risk 5 works but there's like a a kind of core instruction set that any risk 5 processor has to support and then you have the extensions like a floating point extension or um the uh, just in time or the vector extension so um and then if you want to, if you're building a chip and that would be useful, then you can just um, grab that set, like standardized instruction set, and then your your chip's going to do this extra stuff for you. Um, so could you give us um, like some example of applications of where um, the just-in-time extension and the vector extension would be would make sense if you were building a, a new chip? Like what would be the applications for those extensions? Yeah, uh, so... Yeah. And anything more complex than microcontrollers these days has some sort of CMD extensions, like uh, um, x86 has uh, SSE, AVX uh, extensions, and uh, ARM has Neon extensions. It's kind of, you know, it's 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 kind of there. If you run Linux, you want a little bit of acceleration. You want to compute four four <laughs> answers per cycle rather than one answer per cycle. Uh, you would go for some some sort of CMD extensions, um, and because uh, people kind of uh, take it as granted uh, on other architectures, uh, people come and say, "Yeah, you, you have Risk Five processor; it runs Linux, but where is my vector? Uh, where is my CMD?" Uh, the idea behind CMD was uh, was to accelerate some Photoshop and video applications and some filters and, and do some. Uh, some DSP kind of, uh, you know, on on the same machine where you run Linux, uh, which is nice. Um, but um, so the C original CMD that we 
all use on machines uh, which are um, you know AVX and SSC uh, you know SSE MMX kind of extensions are uh, kind of um, like I may bollock this uh, term but it's like a chunk by chunk extend extensions and original ideas that came from from Cray and the original vector machines uh, was to 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 make a scalable vector. So when when you define the vector lens, you are not limited by what hardware can do, and hardware decide how to chunk it, how to process it ch chunk by chunk, depend how much resources it has at the moment, right? So this idea um, of scalable vector is older than idea of fixed-width fixed, fixed vector, vectors like SSE. Um, and even though they're solving almost the same pro, uh, problem, so you can uh, you know, do the same computations on SSE on a vector machine, uh, they're solving it a little bit differently. And in a world where you have one implementation of x86 or two, from two big giants and that's it. And you just make it compliant and work. Uh, traditional SSE or SMD extensions would be fine. But in a world where you have a myriad of RISC-V implementations, uh, come out with subset that fits all the needs, it's kind of hard. So scalable vectors in that sense are more flexible solution. and. Uh, you know, I think it's great fit to risk five uh, in general. So, what would be the an application for that? Say, I'm designing a chip, and I'm doing this application. So, I want to use the the vector extension. What kind of applications is it good for accelerating? Yeah, uh, for example, uh, if you have any client device, you will probably have some so, sort of camera or screen. And uh, what you want from it, at least you to, to, to get some video conferencing and you want the blur background or something, right? So you, you, you can do filter, uh, but you need to do You want to multiply every pixel by some, some value. Yeah, so then exactly. you this want big to, matrix operation. To do some, some uh, machine learning, uh, you know, detect edge or detect your contour, that's a DSP processing of some sort. And then when you detect the background, you want to blur it so you can apply filter and something, right? So it's even the minimum, we're not talking about 3D graphics or anything, but the minimum video filtering uh, or uh, edge detection or or maybe gesture recognition, right? That's how many fingers I have. <laughs> no, it will be five in Roman, but uh, it, it, you, know, you have to know context and train the model. Um, in order to uh, to do s simple stuff these days, and you know, in order to have a client device, you need some DSP, and the vector comes here very 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 well. Right. Yeah. So anything to do with images, I suppose, because you're doing like huge parallel. Yeah, you, images. Like the same operations over and over again. Yeah, images, video, audio, and uh, machine learning, and you know, DNNs uh, comes very very handy these days as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, but uh, we're gonna. Run Everyone's talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Models everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, what would you say that you're most excited about in terms of working with Risk Five? Uh, I'm kind of do-it-yourself uh, person. 
So I, I like going deep to turtles, you know, visit turtles pretty often and have conversation about uh, full st what, what full stack means and how deep you can dive into full stack. Uh, and uh, I've done a few attempts to do processors in my life. Um, and every time it, it met a license uh, kind of barrier. You know, I, I can talk about it now, but in, in Taiwan in 2001-2, we did ARM kind of rip-off uh, processor. And even though it worked and run Windows CE, I would, we would never go to the open market because TSMC would not allow us to do <laughs> ARM rip-off, right? So even though you design it and you kind of, you know, you own it, but you don't really own it because of this, you know, license compatibility question. So um, we need more processors. We need more smart things around us and uh, not only for cheaper, but also some freedom or sovereignty. Um, and uh, when I start talking to different people in different uh, geographies about RISC-V, India and Russia and uh, you know in China and Taiwan and everybody talked about and even Europe, everybody uh, talked about sovereignty and risk five is kind of sovereignty to me because uh, let's take a, a European space program. There was a Leon core which was like Spark core, and every time I ask them why you haven't switched to ARM, they say, you know what we are, we need independence, we need we don't want that our space program get hostage by some some corporate somewhere, right? Which get ch changing address all the time, right? So we don't want to be, uh, you know, it's, it's a long program, so why we should depend on somebody, right? It's same words I hear from basically any region in the world. And RISC-V is a, such opportunity. Uh, work can be redone. It's not too much work to create a processor. Uh, it is a lot of work to create a good processor, but uh, still, um, you know, you better put work up front rather than depend on some somebody forever. That, okay. That's what nice keeps me that. excited. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's uh, take a, a quick break to hear about uh, Yosis HQ tools and services. Yosis HQ open source EDA tools and related software development. Okay, we're back. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about some of the other tools that you've been involved with. Um, there's one um, that is called Circuit with some um, vowels removed. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, Circuit without UI uh, is um, our... Uh, attempt to m make. Oh, is, that, is that like a gag? It's taken that. It's taken the user interface, the UI, out of circuits. Yes, basically <laughs> because it's library. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 a strange uh, name, but uh, no, I like yeah, it. I like it. Circuit without UI. Um, Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So the pro uh, project uh, started by Chris Lattner, who created the LLVM and joined Sci Five. Uh, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, to, to solve a scalability problem at sci five because creating processors is is a kind of fun but when you get at a higher scale uh, cluster 
um, processors out of order co cores uh, we are doing in vector machines and then go to bigger systems um, and SOCs, you will figure out that you need a very powerful tools to deal with big designs, right? So whatever we had at the, we have at the moment uh, is okay for for some scale, but uh, will will go out of fashion very quickly. So uh, Chris brought this idea that uh, on top of LLVM he built a framework called MLIR. Uh, it's multi-layer uh, intermediate representation framework that allow you to build um, compilers, but not not necessarily, uh, you know, x86 or ARM compilers like LLVM, but but compilers to do other things. Uh, it's used in machine learning. It's used in um, um, sophisticated tensor tensor processing and uh, you know whatever fancy now but it can be used uh, to build a hardware and um, when i say hardware i mean you know chip chip design uh, mostly uh, and yes yeah, so, so he brought this idea how about using lovm and mlir uh, to describe and keep like keep it in some form uh, in this uh, system and circuit is a playground or not playground but a kind of incubator project inside LLVM group it's circuit.llvm.org um, it's it's include few dialects uh, uh, dialect being some kind of subset or abstraction subset that that can be used for the compiler it's not necessarily compiler by itself it's a kind of a guts of compiler it's what LLVM for CLang it's something that that intermediate representations that can be worked on optimized transformed and then e eventually uh, you know sp speed out some some uh, form uh, very local binary right so this uh, circuit project is an incubator project and re regular meeting um, where multiple companies and multiple uh, universities join in and discuss um, what are interesting circuit design um, dialects and forms and uh, you know, transformations um, they could use in, in this framework. It's, it's going a little bit over my head. Could you um, tell me what problem it's trying to solve? Help me understand. Right. Uh, so sci uh, b build the processors, for example, using chisel language. That's or there is MyHDL language uh, similar in Python, and um, there are few. So that's like um, just for anyone who doesn't know. Um, so like the kind of the the lower level is like Verilog or VHDL, and then there's this kind of a, a recent, more recent trend of people writing a secondary language like Chisel or NMIGEN or one of these other ones that um, you write in Python or Scala or something else and then you run it through this set of tools like Chisel and at the end comes Verilog but then it's not human readable, well not that Verilog is particularly human readable but <laughs> it's harder to read than normal. So uh, so uh, Sci5 does your processor development in Chisel, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we do everything in Chisel, but uh, after you wrote a Chisel program, um, you compile it into some form 
and you do a lot of transformations. We, co we compile it in a, what we call Fertile, uh, uh, FIR, RTL. Um, have we got, have you uh, cut some barrels out of that as well? Uh, no, it's not my invention, for sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, so that fits between Chisel and Feralog. Right, right, right. Yeah, and then uh, there is a lot of transformations can be done before you get very lock, uh, and those transformations um, may be optimizations, maybe uh, something that reshape a form of very lock before get spit out, um, and th those transformations were done kind of uh, by two written uh, at Berkeley, and we we still use it. Um, it's called uh, Fertile Compiler. Uh, on Chip Alliance, Chip Alliance Fertile. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, we, we want to go fo forward and we want to do more things um, with with, uh, uh, with this intermediate representation. Uh, and uh, that's what yields uh, this new project, which based on the LLVM and MLIR. Um, and we are playing so, with... So Circuit is a, an alternative to Fertile, is it? Uh, it's... it's Kind of uh, alternative to fertile and uh, part of a chisel, and eventually would 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 be more than that because it interface with other languages. Uh, we are working uh, with other companies who is interested to bridge uh, a high level synthesis HLS systems to it. Uh, and everybody has own favorite language. Uh, we're not gonna re recruit everybody to drop their favorite. Python or you know language of a choice in favor of one language fits all uh, we we doing a machinery that takes anything and do anything with it and then spill out the form that you want um, that's what what circuit project is and um... okay so it's like a kind of intermediary between the the final thing that goes into the ASIC compiling tools and right. whatever you're describing your hardware with. Yeah, uh, correct. And, and eventually, there is no limit where it how it can go down. For example, Yosis itself uses an intermediate representation between Verilog and NetList. Uh, it's synthesizing. Um, it also has intermediate form, uh, and we we kind of open to to that direction as well. So there is nothing stops us to use circuit uh, for Yosis, for example, or Verilator, or anybody who <laughs> interested in, in building other tools around. So, so one um, advantage of circuit would be um, kind of allowing more portability in designs. You can take designs in whatever different language and then use them with whatever different tools, like a kind yes. of. Uh, right. So the major advantage is that uh, circuit build on MLIR and LLVM, which are like industry-proven compiler frameworks, which not only reach on functionality but also kind of you know proven uh, proven to work, and a lot of people know how to deal with them, and a lot of creativity going on. Um, you know, from PhDs of different universities. So a lot of innovation going on there and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's well managed uh, by, uh, you know, by, by different needs. Uh, so we don't want to recreate everything from scratch, uh, whatever functionality tested by machine learning guys, 
you know, in tensor <laughs> computations can be applied and somehow bridged with hardware, right? So uh, I think there is merit um, on reusing as much as you can um, of, a, of a industry kind of class uh, framework. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you've got a design that has got very, is very well tested and has a lot of support around it and a lot of things built on top of it, then you want to reuse it if possible. Yeah. Also, also this new wave of machine learning uh, uh, systems uh, bring up a new ideas about new architectures. Um, when when you run, when you compile your model, I can butcher the the terminology, but when you when you create a model, train the model, um, sometimes you want to run the same model on software if you have um, a powerful cpu and the model is quite small in some cases you want to run the model generated the same way on gpu uh, sometimes on fpg sometimes on uh, mix architecture where uh, on new architecture or mix of architectures right so all this um, flexibility fluidity of uh, our architecture is uh, super important these days. Uh, you don't want to recreate the model again in different uh, framework. You just want to, okay, I want to make an ASIC that will, you know, just do, do what I want. Uh, why not to lower it into Verilog? Uh, all part of it, right? So it, it's, it's kind of a uh, common framework where, you know, modus of operandi where, you know, where the people, people operate these days. Cool. Okay, so um, let's switch topic then. Um, uh, in the early days of computers, they were so big and expensive that you would just have one and people would connect to them um, like a kind of mainframe client server thing. And then as computers got more powerful and more distributed, everyone did their own work on their own computer. And I know that you're, you've got some ideas about um, kind of going back to more of the client server model. Can you talk a bit about that? Uh, yeah, uh, I think we are still in client-server kind of mode. Uh, I, I used to joke uh, and bet uh, in my use uh, about what will win. Um, Linux, Windows, Mac OS, KD, GNOME, and so on. Uh, but I realized that we kind of missed the point uh, back then because the web interface basically won, the browser won. So no matter which which uh, OS you're running, you're spending most of the time in the browser, and most of the computation you do, uh, you don't realize it, but it's it's going on in the, in the server somewhere. It's a browser. Yeah, whenever I run top on my machine, it's always four or five processes. It's Firefox at the top. Uh, yes, exactly. So if you look at the profile, how much memory you spent in which application, it's probably mostly Chrome. Uh, uh, and that's reality. It's not not that we, um, you know, we want something else. We want convenience. We want something that just work, right? We want reactive, responsive. Uh, like, like I said, with WaveDrum, the power is that you don't learn anything. You just click on something, you go somewhere, it just works. You don't want to install anything. Your attention span is short. Uh, just learn this uh, new application, Zencaster. Uh, 
by just clicking on it and running it. It's like now I'm I'm running it. Before you have to oh download install. Now we're making a buy, podcast. Buy a CD <laughs> and uh, this this is it's kind of everywhere. So so instead of discussing uh, discussing KDE or GNOME, I I think we are discussing now you know how fast how how can we bring what we as engineers um, used to have on a Linux machine on a server somewhere where you VNC to some some Linux machine and run some some Synopsis tool somewhere. Uh, instead of it, we we discuss how can you bring this to the web because it's a new normal now. All right. So so part of it is is. Uh, Comes it comes in different forms. Uh, it comes in CI form, uh, where you know just uh, work on your machine is not good enough. Um, you you want to push to Git, and there would be some CI checking out your code, running all standard procedure from scratch, and reporting yes no based on um, on latest greatest environment that it just created from scratch, right? So so we we kind of want this environment is, uh, and um, it's very different from what um, chip designers used to do. Uh, I'm logging to Linux server through bar, like VNC and like a, I'm opening a window and uh, you know, all these tools are kind of in the past, but we still rely on them. So we need to figure out a way to, how do we slowly bring that experience to the web? Uh, Kind of thing. And you're working on some tools, aren't you? Right, right. So, yeah. So uh, that's not exactly my day job. Uh, it's still one of my many hobby projects I do. Uh, but yes, um, many people for, for this 10 years asked, okay, you can do waveform timing diagrams. Can you do big ones? And basically first first uh, crazy idea everybody has is just take VCD file and generate wave drum diagram from it, right? And it wasn't meant for this. It was meant for the other way around. You create a little timing, timing diagram for your document and, you know, render it. So it wasn't meant for it, but um, demand is there. So uh, at some point um, a few years ago, I start doing, uh, start thinking about what will it take to make actual VCD viewer, for example, uh, which is uh, infinitely scalable. Uh, and when I say infinitely, means that that you have to be able to look at the particular region of your space-time continuum, uh, continuum while simulation is still growing. Like it's like expanding the universe, <laughs> simulation is still running, <laughs> but you already can take a look at the, you know, uh, some distance in a time and it's important because we used to run long simulation overnight and then come in the morning just to see that it's broken in the first 20 millisecond of a simulation yeah <laughs> uh, uh, which is okay back then not now right so people want to like, click on something and immediately go there and check and get notification that something broken click there go to ci GitHub Action Travis, whatever CI of your choice, 
and then see uh, what's broken, where, uh, why, and don't install any tools of it. So, yeah, I think the good waveform viewer, like a VCD viewer uh, or whatever format you want, viewer uh, based on the web, uh, which can give, can be used inside browser or uh, inside uh, CI uh, and also be annotated with all the failure information on top of it. And like Google S, it should be infinitely scalable, or at least should be able to zoom in in the problem or zoom out and see whole picture or scroll while it's it's still coming from simulation. Uh, that would be a, a key application for the bringing EDA uh, tools to the web. To the 21st century. It's a, it's a middle. You don't realize it's almost the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to mention? Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, in this, this circuit project, um, I, I, I do portions that call circuit fuzzer, which is a generator of random pro pro programs. Uh, and it's finding a lot of errors uh, just because when you don't think about all you cannot think about all possibilities of of your fertile or ir constructions but fuzzer don't care it's just generated right it should generate random stuff and we heavily using yosis for a logic equivalency so we we run the same random program through two compiler frameworks one all one scala based and one llvm based in the end they not only need to uh, behave the same way. So fail, false positives, false negatives, you know, actual finding errors and so on, but also has to produce some, some logically equivalent uh, result, which I use uh, Yossi's uh, lo logic equivalency very heavily and happy with, uh, with the fact that we have such tools. Uh, in, in, in essence, uh, I run it 24-7. I run it on such amount of tests that, that in the end, practically impossible to run with the commercial tools because it will cost you a fortune just, 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 just to do testing. And it can run on CI, which is very powerful too. So we uh, actually, the circuit nightly build uh, Docker container comes with uses in it. Uh, so I can, I can run, uh, run, logic equivalence is there. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I really cool. enjoy open source tools and use uh, as an example. Great. Cool. Okay. And how can people get in touch with you um, on the internet if they were to say hi or get involved in one of your projects? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter uh, with the handle WaveDrum. Um, that's one way. Uh, I'm on GitHub, name Drum. Uh, and most of, most of other places, uh, and also available as a drum. Um, yeah, please uh, please send uh, issues, PR requests. Yeah, pull requests uh, on any of my projects or projects uh, on the Wave Drum uh, organization, and uh, I'll be back to you eventually. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, thanks very much for your time today, Alexi. Uh, great talking to you and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you, Matt.
Bye-bye. Bye-bye.